Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and passed. Alvarez and toy the corner. Get out, Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. This is Fantasy Baseball Today. I'm Chris Welsh. That is Scott White. We've got some, well, breaking news in our world. Maybe you're waking up to this on the East Coast. Brewers, Christian Yelich, diagnosed with a fractured right kneecap. Dunzo for the 2019 ah. season. It is. So brutal. 329 average, 429 OBP, 44 homers, 97 RBIs, 30 stolen bases, and 100 runs. That's the final season total in 131 games. It opens up the MVP race conversation, and it's just an absolutely brutal blow right in the heart of the playoffs. It is. It is. And I'm not even really sure how to attack it from an, anal- an analysis standpoint. I mean, obviously, it's it's a major bummer. He's been the best player in baseball this year. As you said, it looked like he was going to be the NL MVP, probably. Um, now that's, you know, that's in question. He's going to have a couple Opens weeks fewer stats than Acuna or, or Cody Bellinger is very much in that discussion as well. Absolutely. Um so it's it's obviously just a bummer. You know, the Brewers probably, they were looking like a long shot for the playoffs anyway now. you got to assume they're not in. And, uh, you know, even it even brings up the question of how does this impact Yelich's uh, 2020 value? Because, you know, there were some people who were going to make the case he should go ahead of Mike Trout, maybe. Well, and, and, and they've been mixed together. I, um, over in ITL, we're doing an early mock. I've been doing the two early mocks with Justin Mason. And I've seen Acuna go one. I've seen Trout go one. I haven't seen Yelich yet, but deservedly so. He's yeah, right I mean, there, he's, and he's the mix. Right. But like you said, this could ultimately have a little bit of a uh, stain or a question mark on him, at least vying for the one or two spot. He's a lockdown top three, though. I, I, I would assume so. I mean, Cody Bellinger's been awesome. And, and what what I can't help but wonder is, you know, and I, I'm I'm probably bad about this picking out the one example that happens to come top of mind and assuming that every situation that follows is going to be just like it. Jose Altuve stopped running after fracturing his kneecap. And obviously mm. steals have been a big part of Yelich's value the past couple years. He's, you know, especially this year, he became a big time base stealer in the league context when, you know, in past years he was kind of a moderate base stealer. Um, I can't help but wonder if that's going to impact you know, if this injury just slows him down, first of all, makes it so he doesn't run as fast or makes him more reluctant to uh, to use his legs in that way. So Especially I think- with the hitter that he's become. Like, you have such a dominant, big, bopping hitter. You know, they might, even though it's funny that, you know, I mean, it's not funny that he got hurt, but the situation was him at the plate and he was hit on the knee. And it wasn't like him <laughs> sliding. But to your point, you know, having that type of a bat in the lineup and he's the more most important cog to them you know, potentially running for a pennant that they could potentially run him a little bit less. I think it's a hard speculative thing to attack because there's just nothing outside of uh, the quantitative stuff like you just said, like with Jose Altuve, but it's something that's going to be in the back of everybody's mind. Right, exactly. What after an MVP winning season when he, you know, there was a lot of a lot of skepticism surrounding it coming into this year. It's why he was a late first rounder uh, at best in drafts this year. Um, 
and and I think he had finally won everybody over that there's nothing really to worry about this guy. I mean, he's he's a trout level level contributor and one of the absolute best players in fantasy. No concerns for regression beyond just, you know, he did something so crazy that he probably can't be quite that good again. And now there there is a question. He he ended the year with this injury that's not very common and that's pretty significant. And uh, how is that going to what does that mean for 2020? Nobody knows, but it's it's you know it's it it makes it it brings feelings of insecurity with the Yelich pick again. It, of course, we have to address you know what it means for the rest of 2019. Few people who are listening, or maybe the only people who are listening. I don't know. Hopefully, people just like us that they listen, even when they're not competing anymore. But you have to hope. <laughs> I would guess that few people listening are still competing for something, and even fewer of them have Yelich. And also but. a higher likelihood people are listening to this podcast after Adam Azer dropped the worst take on the planet on Twitter <laughs> on Tuesday night. If you like Adam, I suggest you not go look at his take, but maybe it's the reason people will stick around because they don't have to listen to that take. But you know, Yeah, I was so... I was so engrossed in that take and we don't have to talk about the Avengers fall out of that that I I you know I was 10 minutes late to seeing this Yelich news but yeah anyway like you said it, it what it did is it sparked the age-old question we were talking before we started up the show um immediately people go well what do I do you know, Trent Grisham Trent Grisham is the guy that came in he's been he, you know He's a very interesting prospect because he's kind of turned the tables of, you know, where his trajectory was going. High OBP guy. Uh, he's made some swing adjustments, making some contact, got a hit tonight in replacement of Yelich. But that's where the age old question starts in. People are like, well, do I go to Grisham? Well, no, Grisham, first off, wouldn't be the place you would want to replace Yelich with. Second off, you can't replace Yelich. So what it does uh, and if you don't mind, Scott, I'm going to just throw in here some stuff. I don't want to take away any of your takes on no, Yelich. And please throw it in. But what it does then is it says, well, what do I do? What, how do I pivot? We can't predict how all of your leagues are. So let me throw a couple names at you in this conversation because Trent Grisham is not the guy. Unless you're in a crazy deep league, maybe an NL and Grisham were out there because he wasn't getting starts. Now, we had an incredibly big offensive night. We had seven players on Tuesday night go double dong. Seven players. Just a couple. So far. Yeah, so far. Exactly. And I should note, <laughs> we're recording this uh, pretty close to midnight on East Coast, and we've still got like five games that are going on. One is about to end with the Rays and a couple others. We'll update you on as we go. But seven so far. Names that aren't going to be options for you. Didi Gregorius went two for four, hit his six, 15th and 16th homer. Corey Seager hit his 15th and 16th uh, with five RBIs. Huge night. Matt Olson hit his uh, 30th and 31st. George Springer. Hit his uh, 32nd and 33rd. He had a couple RBIs. But I've got some hitter ads for you in the 50-ish percent range that I'm going to pit up. And two of them went double dong on Tuesday. Brett Gardner, who is 62% owned, a little bit higher. He hit his 22nd and 23rd, which he's now got five homers in September. Corey Dickerson, who I, I feel like I brought up Corey Dickerson a while back with the three of us when it was Adam, you and I, and we were dismissive of it. But I could be wrong. 59% owned hit his 11th and 12th homer. He's now got a five-game hit streak and his second straight day with a homer. And then these guys didn't hit homers, but I just happen to have put them together in the 50% range because maybe we're trying to replace the value. Luis Arise, who is 53% owned, was two for four. He's now got hits in eight of his last games, 407 coming into Tuesday through September. And Robbie Cano, who was two for three on Tuesday with two runs, 47% owned, eight hits, 
in the six games since returning. So I just threw out a whole bunch at you. But mm-hmm. those are potentially the type of names that would be out there that you right. would be looking if you're replacing Yelich. What makes it difficult about this time of year, two and a half weeks to go, if your league counts the last week, which a lot don't. Um, they shouldn't. But yeah, <laughs> That's a different argument for another. It day, is. But, it is. It is. Um, you know, normally when a big player, high-end player goes down like this, you can you can project some. You know, you could say, okay, this is a guy who's kind of flown under the radar, but I think he has a lot of potential. He could maybe be the big lot- lottery ticket winner that you need to overcome this issue. And, you know, with this little time left, there, there are no miracles on the waiver wire, at least none that you can expect to pay off as quickly as you need them to. So it's really just about taking it week by week. And, you know, I'm not... I, you know, I haven't done my matchups yet for the next week, and that would only carry us for a week anyway. But I imagine guys like, you know, Mike Yastrzemski would be uh, among the potential pickups. Uh, Anthony Santander, I mean, he's been so consistent, I'm not even sure I care about matchups with him anymore. Brett Gardner, as you mentioned, I think is a good option. He might even chip in a couple steals potentially. Uh, you know, but I, I wouldn't be if I was replacing Yelich off the waiver wire as opposed to I have this great outfielder on my bench that I just kind of fit in my lineup. Oh, now I can. That's obviously the ideal scenario. Sure. But if you're replacing him off the waiver wire, I think you go week by week. You don't get too attached to any one player and you just try and piece it together. Uh, try to survive as best you can. Just survive Gardner? somehow. I feel as like Enid from <laughs> The Walking Dead was fond of saying. <laughs> That's a very good reference. I, I like that. I'm very excited about that. I'm a Walking Dead guy. What about Brett Gardner? I feel like Brett Gardner is the guy that I look at as the ultimate replacement. But what if you pit, uh, pit him up against Anthony Santander? Because it seems like Dickerson, who had two homers, Arise is a good contact guy, but he's really empty. I mean, hit, I said he hit 407, but he had no RBIs, or, uh, no homers. I don't think he had an RBI. No stolen bases. No homers and stolen bases is important. More walks and strikeouts. But he's kind of a, you know, a... a counting stat list type of a player. Robbie Cano has been pretty solid, but it feels like it starts with Gardner versus like a Santander. And do you lean Santander over Gardner? I do lean Santander over Gardner. Uh, you know, I think a righty heavy week. Uh, I think, le- you know, it's been a while since I checked, but I think Gardner, obviously a left-handed hitter. I think he's been much better against righties this year. He tends to bat in the lower third of the Yankees lineup. And, uh, you know, I, I think Santander there's going to be a little more matchup proof than Gardner, but they're pretty close. They're pretty close. Certainly Gardner has the better supporting cast. Yeah. He's been terrible against lefties. Gardner's has sub 600 OPS. So, uh, definitely want to pay attention to that going forward with him arise. I think specifically if you're, you're not wanting to drop in batting efforts, like if that's the category you have to preserve, I could see going for him. But I think in in most scenarios, you're going to want to go with a more well-rounded hitter. You know, Kyle Tucker, if his playing time uh, turns out to be pretty consistent, I could see him being a factor. Mark Canna is still only 61% owned. He has three hits today. He had had three hits. In that absolute route. Yeah, that absolute route of a game. 21 21 runs for the Athletics against the Astros. A taste of their own medicine. I know. It should be flipped on its head. All right, so let's do this real quick. Let's take a quick break, and then I've got some deeper hitters we might potentially attack because we've also had a little version of Prospects Assemble, as I would say, that have come in here. There's a ton more. It is Worryometer Wednesday. I didn't even get to say it because of how worried we were about Christian Yelich at the top. So quick break right here, Fantasy Baseball Today. 
True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Okay, so let's continue this Yelich thing here for just a moment. I know people are chomping at the bit for starting pitching. I know you want your pitchers, and believe me, we're going to get there. This is a big deal. Now, I put together some deep, deep hitters. A few of them, uh, really, actually, the majority of them are uh, relatively, or are rookie hitters here. Now, starting a catcher, Sean Murphy was another one of those guys, one of the seven that had a double-dong night, hit his second and third homer, three for four, four RBIs, now three homers in his first five games. And a little note, by the way, Every single A's starter against the Astros tonight had a multi-hit game. I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> Every single one of the starters were amazing, and Sean Murphy was in there. Um, at 11% owned. Harold Castro, 3% owned. Just wanted to put him in because he was 3 for 5. Now 12 hits in his last 6 games, but a little bit more exciting here. Nick Solak, who we talk about a bunch, just continues to do work. He is the most owned here, 22%, hit his third homer. Now five hits in his last three games with five RBIs, but the prospects assemble. My guy, Nico Horner, for the Chicago Cubs, was called up at, uh, owned at 12%. He was three for five with two runs and four RBIs in his debut. He was hitting eighth tonight, and let me see if he has done anything. I do see your boy Ty Francis hit something. Nico Horner, as I am currently seeing this as it's updating, was 0 for 1. But then let me just give you the last one. Kyle Lewis with the Seattle Mariners, who was called up 5% owned, was starting in right field, and hit his first home run. So these are all very low-owned guys. But do you think, or whom do you think, is somebody that is under-owned that people could maybe start taking a look at, whether it's Yelich uh, injury news or not? Harold Castro, forget about him. He's See ya. of no interest to me. Murphy, Sean Murphy, Nick Solak, Nico Horner, and Kyle Lewis are all prospects of some note. And while I'm not sure any are going to have enough time to win our trust outside of very deep leagues this year, they're all they're all fighting for something next year. Um, I think Sean Murphy with the two home runs tonight. You know, if if he wasn't already the favorite to be the athletic starting catcher next year, this obviously puts him in a better position to be that. He's always made contact at a high rate in the minors, a great, great defender, and really has figured out how to hit for power the past couple of years. And uh, I, I think, you know, I was just previewing my catcher rankings for 2020 in an article I was writing last night. I have him 13th. Sean Murphy next year. Obviously, mm. that assumes he is the starter for Oakland, but which I, is a pretty safe bet. I mean, he's a, he's a really interesting prospect. Another one of those guys I saw a couple years ago just makes consistent contact, has sneaky power. I mean, he's 
He, I mean, he's he's like a prototypical catcher, and with the A's, you know, he is a byproduct of their their system. And uh, I like that. I mean, I do think that feels aggressive, but he's one of those guys. If we don't want to get into a twenty twenty conversation, why I am a thousand percent quarterback, late quarterback strategy on my catchers. I'll just go at the very end and I'm going to take a pedigreed guy or a Carson Kelly. We we had a question, Sean Murphy or Carson Kelly next year, by the way, what do you think about that one? I I have Kelly. Me too. I have Kelly a few spots higher. I have Kelly. Well, maybe I have him higher than the consensus is going to be based on that comparison. I have Kelly, I believe seventh. I think that's about right. Okay. Yeah. But I don't think people, Uh, what people haven't done with catchers is I don't think people have a true concept once you get outside the the obvious guys. Once you get away from, um, of course, Romuto, you get away from Sanchez, Will Smith, Mitch Garver, you get away from that range. People start losing perspective of the value, I think. Yeah. I'm surprised how deep of a position it's come. And I think you can take the approach, uh, you know, the fact I have Sean Murphy 13th, Francisco Mejia 14th. He was somebody who was in my top 10 going into this year. Obviously, that didn't work out with the playing time. But like there's you don't have to you don't have to reach so much to get a quality catcher next year. Um, but back to back to the rest of this group here. Yeah. Yeah. How would you uh, sort them, by the way? Because I feel like this is a conversation. Well, you already eliminated Castro and you seem to be putting Murphy in the same conversation as Solak, Horner and Lewis, though, which is a positive for a catcher. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I want to play him anywhere but catcher. And I don't think there's any reason to take a flyer on him now outside of maybe a two catcher league because it, you know, playing time hasn't been consistent. They still have Josh Fegley. They're going with a lot there. I, I think the best bet to help you this year is Nick Solek just because he's been around long enough. He's he's shown he's not overmatched. Uh, he gets on base a lot. He, he looks like somebody who can contribute for him, for you. Uh, not not really a must start. I I do wonder too. Like Nico Horner, Kyle Lewis. Obviously, they're both prospects. They're both former first round picks. I don't think either was impressive enough in the minors that you just expect them to. Uh, you know, like I like we were reacting to Gavin Lux, where we expect him to come up and, and well, they're not immediate dividends. Yeah, they're not those pedigreed of players. I mean, Kyle Lewis is in the same draft class as Corey Ray. And he was kind of sought in the same way. And and Kyle Lewis has had he had a really horrific injury uh, coming into the draft, and he's had injury issues for multiple years. He's just getting it under himself. But I would say Horner and Lewis are very different prospects because I think Horner is incredibly more polished than him. I've got him as a top thirty-five fantasy prospect. If you're looking at the full scheme and thinking long term, he's got uh, great bat speed, good eye, makes solid contact. I don't think he's impressively. Um, high as a power or a speed guy. So he might end up leveling out as like a, you know, like a solid major league regular. So he's not the caliber of Gavin Lux, but guy makes really good contact. And I think can be a game changer. He's somebody, if I'm in the world of looking at desperation for middle infield or just some extra stuff, Horner would be a guy outside of Solak. I would still take Solak over him, but I would be interested in Horner. It would, it would have to be a desperate scenario, but what Horner, Horner, Horner really has going for him is that it, it looks like he's just going to be the everyday shorts now that uh, Javier Baez is out with a with a fracture in his finger. And Addison and, Russell you know, got hit what, in the head, so he's out as well. I mean, Horner's a really it, – it, it, it's really – there was so much – like Horner was trending as hard as I've seen any baseball player trend on Twitter last night, which is crazy considering it's September and he's – you know, wasn't exactly a household name as far as prospects go. Well, it was because got- of last year. Last year, uh, one year ago, almost a year ago from here, out here in the Arizona Fall League, 
Horner broke on the scene because he was the first guy from the 18 class to come to the fall league. And then now he's the first guy from the 18 class to make it to the major leagues. His trajectory is crazy high from where he came. I think he was in Stanford from when he was drafted to now stepping up in the majors and producing. I think that's where it all kind of leads to. But he has two home runs this year across all levels. Two home runs. And he missed a lot of time. Yeah, well, he got, you know, 250-ish at-bats. Fair. And I'm not saying he can't develop power. I know, you know, Saris in particular likes to talk about how he thinks he has that kind of profile. Uh, But, you know, the hits he got last night, three of them, uh, I'm sorry, Monday night, three of them, there was a blooper to right. There was a ground ball down the left field line that turned into a triple. I didn't see what the third hit was, but these are not, these are not the kind of hits that, that we normally get excited about in 2019. So I, I just, I think I don't want to get ahead of ourselves with Horner. I, I really would be surprised if he's a mixed league contributor, a viable mixed league contributor here to close out this season, even though, you know, he's going to be interesting to watch because it's an interesting profile to begin with. So contact oriented and we know he is going to play. And we know here now, as we've gone through this conversation, Brett Gardner, Anthony Santander, if you're digging deeper, Nick Solak, these are places, whether you've lost Yelich or not, that you can kind of move to. Go with the hot hand. I think that's a really important thing that Scott said here, is at this stage where we are in the playoffs, you guys should probably know this, but be less married to a lot of your players, especially the guys you've probably streamed in the recent. We've even got some of the Awariometer that is kind of bucked that trend a little bit with how he, he's become a household name. But I'm curious where you're at with that. So we're going to hit the worryometer here shortly. Let's take another quick break. When we come back, I do want to talk about one of the guys who is on, uh, who's in progress. So he has just been out of the game. Pretty interesting one because we talked a lot about him. We still got to hit some standouts and more worryometer Wednesday right here on Fantasy Baseball Today. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. So we gave him plenty of conversation, Scott. Plenty. We did it over the weekend. It was Johnny Cueto. And Johnny Cueto, his start came down here on Tuesday. He was the guy that we were just like, how comfortable are we? How comfortable can we walk in? He was, I think he was your top two start pitcher uh, into this week. And as you had said, you know, is that good? Is that a good thing? Does that really kind of show what the two starts look like this week? Well, Johnny Cueto, he went five, gave up one hit, walked one, four strikeouts, 69 pitches, 49 for strikes in what looks like a pretty phenomenal start coming off of this injury. And he is in line as we are recording this for the win, and he's still got a start coming up on uh, Sunday, it looks like, unless they move off of him from Monday. 
So thoughts on Johnny Cueto, and then I want to pit him up against a few players for you. It was definitely, I think, a best-case scenario. I was worried, and I, I tried to stress whenever I talked about it, you know, you know, this may not be the week to go streaming two-star pitchers. It really hasn't been the season for streaming two-star pitchers. But a lot of people uh, were taking me up on this idea. Um, Would you believe I started him in both of my both of my keeper leagues? The ones I told you guys that I was in first and eighth, I moved on. I had Cueto in both of them. Almost didn't activate him in either one, and I said, you know what? I'm just going for it. And it would have looked really nasty if I would have looked at my bench and saw those five innings, one hit, and the win potentially for Cueto had I not got it. I took a risk, and it paid off. But like you said, not necessarily the year that it's been paying off. No, uh, just too much too much potential for disaster in a record-setting environment for home runs. And, it, you know, what What makes this start even more of a relief is it looks like Logan Webb is the scheduled starter for tomorrow, so it's not even going to be a two-start week for Johnny Cueto. But Okay, so they moved it. Probably worth keeping around still, because if this week isn't, uh, I don't know whether they're playing six or seven games, but, you know, next week might be. And... uh his velocity was as good as the last time we saw him healthy. Uh, you know, obviously he's been a must-start high-end type fantasy pitcher for most of his career in a good environment to pitch. I don't see why, given the need for pitching across all of fantasy, you would then drop him after this start, given his track record and given how successfully it, how successful it was. What if we pit it up against a couple guys that went here on Tuesday? Nathan Eovaldi, who I talked about before, you know, I mean, barely getting to the fifth. I think he's done it once in, you know, the entire season. Four and one third, six hits, three earned runs, two walks, and six strikeouts on Tuesday. He's 50% owned, and he's got Philly up next. Versus a guy like Anibal Sanchez, who's 65% owned. He went seven, gave up two earned runs, five strikeouts, but he's got Atlanta up next. So, Eovaldi, Sanchez, Cueto, how would you sort them? I'd go Cueto number one, I think. You know, neither of those other two have uh, given any reason to prioritize them over the track record of Cueto. If you know Cueto's looking healthy, which it appears he is, so yeah, he's definitely number one for me. I think Sanchez you could put in that boring class of pitchers, though. I do think he's outperformed his peripherals, and I'd be a little scared of using him. Avaldi hasn't shown me nearly enough, and hasn't been pitching deep enough. I think to to merit consideration. Not like Cueto. Uh, we had a couple prospects. Uh, as I mentioned, we had the hitters on the pitching side. The other prospects that came up, we've got a definitive answer to because someone I could have potentially pitted up against these players, even though he would have been less owned, would have been our guy, Jesus Lazardo. Justin Dunn with the Mariners was also called up. Both have not been given definitive answers to what their roles are going to be. But more than likely, both look like they're headed to relief. I, I feel like there's a little wiggle room given to Lazardo, not so much for Dunn. So Dunn mm. is probably out of it if anybody was just, you know, rattling it around in their brain. But Lazardo is somebody that I think a lot of people are still owning out there in anticipation they might get a start out of him because there's no innings. But it looks like, unfortunately, it's kind of a worst case scenario for us where it might be long relief. Yeah. I, I think if you're really hurting for a roster spot, it, you're probably okay dropping Luzardo because even if he does end up making a spot start down the stretch here, I mean, how many innings is he going to go? How likely are you going to be to use him, actually? I, I think it's pretty low. Uh, Justin Dunn isn't 
a prospect of the same caliber, of course, but he did have some fantastic numbers at triple A, at double A, I should say, for the Mariners this year, particularly uh, with the 10.8 K per nine, respectable walk rate. Somebody who's going to be on the radar uh, next year if if the Mariners are already already willing to give him a major league look. And uh, one of the less heralded prospects that was involved in the Jared Kelenic Robbie Cano trade. Kelenic, obviously, the guy everybody knows. Justin Dunn was the other one from the Mets, and yeah, uh, Edwin Diaz too in that trade. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy. I've heard of him. Uh, probably. <laughs> hey, you know what? Edwin Diaz, maybe the worst player in that entire trade. At least how the season's been going. <laughs> um, little standouts from Tuesday. I've got one for you. And sad as a Diamondbacks fan, by the way, as the Dodgers clinching NL West title, we got. Gavin Lux all over it hit his first major league homer. He had been 0 for 11 in his previous four games, but went three for four on Tuesday night with his first major league homer and getting lots of at bats. And that is a very good sign for them to continue running him out. And that they've mm-hmm. also clinched is another good sign for them to just let him keep going and then feel a little bit less pressure. So I was pretty excited yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that he's started every game since getting since first entering the lineup. Now I haven't faced a lefty yet, but still, they're willing to ride out this kind of mini slump to beginning his career, and all of a sudden he hits his, gets as many hits in this game as he had in all of his other major league games leading up to it. So uh, you know, and it's not like he's been striking out a ton or anything to really suggest he's overmatched. Got to play the matchups because it does seem likely they'll sit him against lefties, but maybe not. Maybe not. It's all a good sign. What about you? You got a standout for us from uh, the Tuesday slate? There's so much offense. There's a lot of things we still have to talk about. So much on our plate here. But anybody you want to highlight as a standout? Um, I'm going to highlight. There is so much. I'm not even sure where to start. Uh, let's go with. Let's go in the most awful direction of highlighting Wade Miley, who uh, did not record an out last time out. He recorded one out. This time, so past two starts, a combined one third of an inning in which he's given up 12 earned runs. He was responsible. You know, he 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 kicked off that 21 run outburst for the athletics tonight. So what does that sound? Beep, beep, beep. It is Warriometer. You have hit the Warriometer button because he is first up on the Warriometer. You just jumped right to him and it's perfect. So. I'm going to need a number as you attack him because he was first up on the Warriometer. 94% owned. Hated that last start, Scott. We were holding a little bit of hope as we moved through. You said the whole, you said the spiel here, so I'm going to also need a Warriometer for him moving forward because I believe Ten. he has the Angels next. 10. It's, it's got, I don't see how you use him. This isn't like Trevor Bauer. This isn't even like Jose Barrios. I mean, there's not... There's not this uh, well-established belief that he's this excellent pitcher who just hit a rough patch here. I mean, he's had a good year, but in a way that was hard to buy. I mean, he was I was giving him the benefit of the doubt because it's the Astros and they do amazing things, but usually those amazing things involve greatly improving a pitcher's strikeout potential, and that wasn't happening for Wade Miley. You know, as awful as these two starts were, they've only raised his ERA to 374. His XFIP is in the 450 range, so, you know... The fact that I, I don't know if it's something going on mechanically or, or if it's just, you know, regression all hitting at once, but it's 
when you when you combine it with the fact I'm not sure he's that good in the first place, there's there's no way I'm turning to him now. And maybe an argument to say it's a zero because he doesn't need to be owned. The worryometer is a zero because you can cut bait. I think a lot of the options are you would you feel comfortable with the majority of the pitching options we've already talked about as pivots over a guy like Wade Miley? I mean, I can't imagine anyone is even going to put him out there. So it's almost a moot point here where you've given up 12 earned runs and you've gotten one third of an inning in your last two starts. But I mean, guys like Eovaldi, Sanchez, I mean, I would probably dump Miley just to speculate on Lazardo, like we've talked about. Yeah, probably. probably. I mean, Cueto, I think, is an easy call. Sure. Um, Luzardo, probably. Okay. But, you know, I don't know how, you know, I can't say for sure because it, you may be in a league where anybody with a rotation spot, you know, that's hard to replace. And you bench Miley for now, and maybe he bounces back next time. and. He gets in this Joe Musgrove purgatory where you never feel that comfortable starting him, but he also might be the best you have. I, I'd give Wade Miley a chance of getting back to that, but right now there's no way I use him. Yeah, there's no reason to sit back and see if it happens the rest of this year. That's where I would probably go. Um, all right, let's hit the second worryometer here. I've only got two for you today, and I love that we got an email that kind of sparked this one. So, you know, next week up, and a reminder to everybody, I didn't say this at the top, and I wasn't sure where to go with it, but you guys should know as you probably have already figured out. We are three episodes through the way through here. I'll remind us one more time at the end here, but we are Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays this week and next week. So if you do have any submitted worryometers, you can do that at fantasybaseballcbsi.com and I will consider them because this one was sparked from an emailer. So worryometer, Aristides Aquino, hitting 156 in September, coming into Tuesday. He had one homer. Now, I will preface that he does have two hits on Tuesday night, three for two. But one of the reasons this came up was from our emailer, Justin, who said, with two two weeks left in the league's fantasy playoffs, I'm thinking about dropping Aquino for Will Myers. Aquino has been great, but he's been flat the last two weeks, and Will looks like he's going to be getting playing time while hot. What are your thoughts? You talked about it on Monday's podcast, but now we will see Will getting more of that playing time. Thank you, and... Will Myers, as I was looking, I should see if I can see an update on it. I'll look for it. He was one for two currently on Tuesday. There's probably been another at bat, but has a hit in every game in September, was hitting 520 coming into Tuesday. So, worryometer first on Aristides Aquino, and then we can get to Aquino versus Will Myers. Worryometer on Aquino, I would put uh I would put it at about a five. I've been lukewarm on him. To begin with, I try to keep an open mind whenever somebody, a player is doing something as loudly as he was, especially since, you know, he had a great minor league season too. But I wasn't totally buying into the skill set. He made me feel more confident when I saw he wasn't striking out all that much, really, for a power hitter. Uh, But, you know, a, a slump raises some concerns. Now, do I think to the point of dropping him? I, I mean, I think you're doing the Yelich owner a pretty big favor, assuming the Yelich owner is still alive in your league. If, That's an interesting take, yeah. Aquino is somebody that you suddenly make available to him. Uh, but, you know, you're taking Will Myers away from him. And though I was poo-pooing this hot stretch for Will Myers, I guess just last week, and now it looks like Hunter Renfro is going to be out for a while is how the Padres put it, which, you know, maybe for the year. Uh, Myers is being flanked right now by Nick Martini and 
Josh Naylor. So, I mean, he's clearly the best outfielder the Padres are using right now. You know, I, I don't think he's a bad pickup. I'm not to the point where I drop or even sit Aquino for him. But Myers is, I think, among that group of outfielders we were talking about earlier. Brett Gardner, Mike Yastrzemski, where they're going to be showing up a lot in my top 10 sleeper hitters for the last couple weeks. Uh, you know, it just depends on what the matchups look like for them specifically. Myers is in that discussion now, yes. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm quite there. Um, the September's been pretty brutal. A couple hits tonight is encouraging. Um, you know, it didn't have to just be like, you know, one for four with a homer and three strikeouts, you know, getting a little bit more quality in there. So I'm not sure I'm quite there, but I got to be honest with you. I feel like my trigger finger would be very, very quick. I don't need to sit around and maybe you can find another option. So I would say my worryometer, I think it's about right. Uh, five, five to six, just because of the strikeout guy that he could be. And maybe I've just been waiting for a little bit of a fail. I mean, his average, he's been in 300 pretty much the entire time he's up. He's now into the 280s. But two hits tonight is pretty good for September, and uh, or at least on Tuesday night. But I don't know if I would quite, quite make that hit there. The Reds have the Cubs and the Mets next week. So that the matchups are looking pretty tough. I yep. think Aquino would need to have a hot end, a hot finish to this week for me to roll him out with those matchups. Or, I mean, you probably have to make a preemptive move, though, because Will Myers ain't going to be sitting around for too long. Yeah. Um, let me see what the Padres I'm trying. Like. I'm trying to do the same thing. Everything just went completely slow for me. It looks like they have got they have better matchups. Yeah, Milwaukee and Arizona. Yeah. A couple of tough pitchers in there, but seven games. and You know what? I yeah, think I, I mean, those move. are better matchups. Uh, I, I'd still be really reluctant to drop Aquino. You know, he could hit three home runs tomorrow, it and could. then you look like an idiot. Yeah, well, I mean, egg on our face, but it is a playoffs. <laughs> redraft is a different conversation here, of course, uh, but, um, you know, redraft to keeper. Redraft, I, I think I can, if, if you can live with the move, I can live with the move, and I think that's the important thing. Going with a hot bat, it's not the worst thing in the world. All right, one more quick break right here on Fantasy Baseball today. Tons more to talk about, a bunch of other news. We've got to hit a ton of pitching stuff and a few more of your questions. We'll be right back. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. What is going on around baseball? Remember that conversation we had about Mike Trout versus Bryce Harper where we were like, ah. You're great with Trout. You just put them out there regardless of what they say, you know, for the weekly. Um, and Bryce Harper, we're a little bit more concerned about the gripped bat. Well, Mike Trout was not in the starting lineup on um, Monday or Tuesday. Trout underwent a minor uh, procedure on Monday morning to address a neuroma in his right foot and potentially may miss the week. Harper just hit his 31st homer, two for four on Tuesday. So I'm not sure there's a Harper versus Trout take, but it's why you have got to be so locked into what you're doing. And really one of the criminally horrible things I think about weekly leagues, where I it just, it's such a brutal feeling. I know it's easier on everybody because you don't have to go on a daily thing, but weekly leagues are so brutal. And this is the perfect example of it with Trout. Uh, 
I don't know. It's never bothered me. I've always been a strict weekly league player. And see, I'm the opposite. I gr- I've grown up on daily transactions. So it's it's just a product of I guess what we've grown up with. Like weekly just yeah. it just hurts my soul a little bit more when I'm like, "All right, I'm good to go." And then all of a sudden what turns into missing a game, it's like, "Nah, it's probably not going to play the whole week." It was a calculated risk. And you know, we found out on Monday, so hope, you know, hopefully you had a chance to change your lineup still once you found out he had this procedure. But if even if you didn't, a hypothetical scenario where it happens on Tuesday, you know. Yeah. Um, it doesn't serve anything. It's just a conversation, of course. But, yeah, uh, but Bryce I, Harper back in, which is good. Uh, Carlos Correa potentially might play in a minor league rehab game on Friday with AAA Round Rock, which I'm guessing would probably line him up for a full week, as long as there's no setbacks. He doesn't need a bunch of games. But I would say that's probably a good look for him the following week. Do you agree? Yeah, probably, though I'd be more reluctant. If, you know, if he's not coming back Sunday, I'd be more reluctant to play him than I was Trout this week. So. Okay, it's the same conversation. I mean, it's Mike Trout. That's 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 part of what factored into that calculation is how do you... You're 100% right. Even if he plays half the, half the week, it's Mike Trout. Two or three games of Mike Trout, I'm taking over six of Nick Solak. It's just what it sure. is. It's yeah. just, it is what it is. Um, yeah. Craig Kimbrell with his elbow, not expected to be activated from the I.L. when he's first eligible on Thursday. But according to the Cubs, recent throwing sessions went good and he's not too far off. So what does that mean? Maybe you get him into the weekend and maybe you can steal a save in there, but potentially good for next week. Keep monitoring it. Uh, some other injury stuff. Yankees placed Mike Talkman on the 10-day IL list with a left calf, string, uh, calf strain. So, uh, you know, he uh, done. plan accordingly. Exactly. Justin Turner was scratched from the Dodgers starting lineup on Tuesday. He was held out in Sunday series finale with an ankle injury, but it looked like he was good to go as he was walking around the locker room, absolutely showering everybody with champagne. So I think he'll be fine as they won. The, I don't know if you saw the video. There was an someone was interviewing. I think it was like Gavin Lux or something. And Turner just went up to the reporter and was just spraying champagne in the reporter's face as he was trying to talk. <laughs> At least they treated him like he was a part of the group, which I guess is nice. He looks like torment, and that's some torment-like behavior there. Yeah, uh, Ramon Lariano. He was out of the A starting lineup again on Tuesday, and we talked a decent amount about him. How? Um, well, I guess you just need to see him. There's really no take on Ramon Lariano. Is one of those guys you pray you had sitting on your bench when you go and lose a guy like Christian Yelich. Because if you can get a guy like Loriano to fill well, back in, that's just he, a nice little added plus. If he he's has playing. to be playing. Yeah, if he's playing. <laughs> I think he's still less than 70% owned. So yeah, that would be the ideal Yelich replacement. Loriano. that might be the miracle you're looking for. Maybe. We don't know what's going on with him health-wise. Uh, Mike Moustakis, he was sidelined, but this was on Tuesday, but... He was available to pinch it, and I believe he came into the game as well. I saw early on. I have to go look. I hadn't had a chance to go back and look, but he did come into the game, which is a positive sign for probably any of the future matchups. I have him in one of the leagues, so let's see. He came in, and he walked. So he did get in at bat, though he hadn't been starting. A couple other things here. Rays manager Kevin Cash said that Tommy Pham, he's hopeful Tommy Pham will be able to return to full on Wednesday. Chris Bryant was back in the lineup and hit a homer here on Tuesday night. And then if you saw this, Kyle Crick, not that we care about Kyle Crick, but Kyle Crick apparently needs surgery on his index finger of his right hand after getting into a clubhouse fight with Felipe Vasquez. Both are going to be fined, and I don't know if Felipe Vasquez is going to be suspended, but I don't remember the last time I heard about something like that, but he lost, Crick lost his season due to a fight with the other relief pitcher. Well, uh, I think I, I, I think uh, Vasquez got a save that same night. 
right? Um, let's was that see. yesterday when this happened? Was that? I'm sorry, I shouldn't say use yesterday on a. Yeah, it would be like it would be like two days ago. Was that Monday when that happened? Um, you know that is a great question. I thought that that was today, but a better host, an Adam Azer, would already know that. Let's see if I am clicking on the story here. If we can find exactly what it was, it was Monday night. So presumably after the game. Yeah. So after the save and the yeah, we'll see. I mean. We'll see. Yeah, and the Pirates are playing tonight. They're not in a safe situation. We've already told you it was the the Giants and the the Pirates were up on it. And the uh, Pirates looks like they've scored a couple runs, but they're still down five to three. So probably nothing to take from that. I don't know if there's going to be any repercussions either way. Maybe monitor it, but you know, clubhouse fight that was getting a lot of uh, note here. Rotation across baseball. Take it for what you will. I'd love to get your notes on any of these guys real quick. But Walker Bueller. Went seven, struck out 11, no earned runs. Second game now of his last three that he struck out 11. Zach Gallen looked good again. Six innings, nine strikeouts, two earned runs. We had Zach Wheeler go seven with seven strikeouts. But an interesting one, our guy Jose Barrios. Seven, two hits, no earned runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. It was his first start since July 31st where he had less than three earned runs given up. We'd, we'd been kind of focusing on him as one of those guys where even though he's such a highly owned player matchups are starting to become important, but he went out and had a pretty good game. Yeah. Good bounce back efforts from Barrios, Zach Wheeler, and also Lance Lynn, who went seven after going less than six and four of his previous five. Lynn had 18 swinging strikes. His, his effect, the effectiveness of his pitches didn't, didn't wane during his, his rough patch. So I was, I wasn't really that worried about Lynn, but Wheeler, Wheeler, I was, he had, uh, um, he had uh, six a six-start stretch with no more than 11 swinging strikes. He had 17 today, so Wheeler looked back on track, and hopefully he's somebody we can count on down the stretch. I, I, I think on, between Len Wheeler and Barrios, I, I feel like Barrios is uh, actually the worst pitcher, even though he has the best reputation. And, um, you know, before his rough patch, he was considered the best in fantasy at that time. Uh, but I, you know, I'd still be, I'm still a little, uh, little on edge about him. You're pretty, I you're pretty like anti you, Jose Barrios. Yeah, yeah, which is okay. It's, it's, uh, it's coming across, right? Yeah, I mean, it's I pretty am. loud. It's pretty loud. You don't have to conform. He might be one of my bust picks next year. And meanwhile, Zach Gallon. I mean, if he continues to do this, like he's going to become t- too obvious to include on my breakouts list. He might, the breakout might happen before I have a chance Ooh. to declare him a breakout. 2020, Zach Gallen or Jose Barrios? Well, Say I, it. I can't, I can't imagine ranking Gallen below Barrios, but um, I, I think, I think it may be closer than most people realize. I love it. That makes, that one makes me happy. It makes me happy inside a little bit. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough also went six and one third, three earned runs, seven strikeouts. Five of his actually l- went seven, I think maybe. Oh, did, yeah, I probably yeah. didn't update it. Okay, five of his last six, by the way, um, he's had four, uh, or f- I'm sorry, five of the last six, he's had four quality starts in. So, uh, been pretty yeah. solid. I mean, been, been a pretty solid guy. Also, going tonight, I think he's underrated. I mean, he get he had issued his fifteenth walk of the season today, which is his main strength. He just walks nobody, but you know, a decent ground ball pitcher, and has become a decent strikeout pitcher. He's just. He's just well. I, I may be overstating the strikeout potential, but he's he's uh, he's better than he gets credit for. 
another guy who has been a little bit rocky, he's going currently as we're recording, Zach Plesak, gone seven, three hits, no earned runs with two walks and three strikeouts, and the Indians are up in the top of the eighth, eight to nothing on the Angels. Plesak. I just want him to go away. I don't believe in this, but then he keeps bouncing back. And it pulls you right back in. By the way, you know, we didn't do a podcast on uh, on Tuesday morning in which we were reacting to Monday's results. But in, on Monday, Mike Fires gave up nine earned runs. <laughs> Does that just make you happy? Se- <laughs> waited all season for the collapse of Mike Fires. <laughs> just wanted to point it out. You did. Well, speaking of a couple other not-so-great Bob, not-great Bob, Edwin Jackson, he went two, gave up six. He's got Chicago next. Who cares? Uh, I mean, I know I can't say his name right, and you wouldn't ask me if I could pronounce his name right, Scott, but your guy, Ty Block, he got lit up two and one-third with six earned runs. He's not my guy. What well, he's only your guy because you were going to remember your absolute insult to my face. Oh, I remember. Last show. Yeah. Okay. I remember, too. All right, good. At least we're on the same path here. <laughs> it's a good person. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. No, I mean, it's entertainment, so people probably got some good laughs out of it. Max Freed. Uh, we spent a decent amount of talking about him. Went five, gave up five, had uh, five wow. strikeouts. That was unfortunate. Looks like he's got San Francisco up next at home. But interestingly, in his last two road starts, he had given up 10 runs. Are you still comfortable with Max Reed? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's right there with Gallon and my favorite breakout candidates for next year. He had four home runs in, in this start on Tuesday, which is was as many as his previous nine starts combined. A great ground ball pitcher. It was just a just a fluky thing that happens sometimes to everybody in 2019. Uh, Tanner Rourke also went five and two thirds, gave up five with three strikeouts. Got I think he's in line for a two start next week. Kansas City and Texas. Comfortable with Rourke? Good matchups. Boring, yeah. which I say in the most flattering way. He so is. yes, I'm comfortable. Yes. Who do you trust? I feel like we've aligned these two players, or at least in conversation, probably because of ownership, because they're within 2% of each other. I know one has been bleh to you, and the other has been a version of a streamer. Sadly, I started the one that did not have a good day on uh, Tuesday. Avon Nova, 45% owned, went five and two-thirds, gave up three earned runs with five strikeouts, no walks, six earned runs in his last start, but... He'd only given up a combined eight earned runs in the previous, I believe, six uh, before that. Seattle looks like he's got up next. And Jake Junis, who's 47% owned, he went five, gave up five, walked three, struck out seven. He's now given up at least four earned runs in each of his last four starts. And he got Houston up next. So Nova or Junis? Yeah, this was the one Junis was supposed to handle if you picked him up as a two-start streamer. Sorry about that. Uh, Nova is kind of Mike Fires redux. Oh, yeah, you're and just waiting so. for it to all implode. It kind of did last start. And, and I should note today, three runs, they came on three home runs. So, you know. So just wait. I think he it. got away with one. Super, super, super deep, guys. Your guy, Eliezer Hernandez, 12% owned, went five, gave up three earned runs with five strikeouts. One quality start in his last five, though. I think I believe he has San Francisco up next. And uh, this one was just, I mean, I can't get behind this. This is no different no. than like Melville. But Chichi Gonzalez, who's 1% owned, went six, gave up one earned run, four strikeouts in Colorado. His last start, he went six and one third, 
two earned runs, a three strikeouts, says two straight quality starts, and he has San Diego, but it is at home next. So I can't imagine there's much excitement, but you've kind of dug Hernandez a little bit this year. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's not really, you know, he has to he has to get much better results than he's been getting to become a usable pitcher for the Marlins. He just, he hasn't incorporated his third pitch, the changeup, as much as he was doing before he got moved to the bullpen briefly. He just kind of abandoned it with that move to the bullpen, and he's been he's been pretty shaky. So I'm, you know, I don't think there's much reason to talk up Eliezer Hernandez anymore. Okay, well, delete from the podcast for for what is left, for sure. Um, some bullpen notes here. You know, we had some saves you would expect. Uh, Naris, Ken Giles got his 19th, but these two, I thought this was interesting. Jeff Wilson got his second save of the season. Lugo was unavailable. And Diaz had warmed up, but the team just decided not to go to him. Edwin Diaz, it gets worse. I mean, I think you said it in the last episode. You're comfortable cutting him, right? We're comfortable moving far on. I'm sorry, and I said Jeff. I meant Justin Wilson. I apologize. Justin yeah. Wilson got a second save. But um, Edwin Diaz not even getting the look after multiple blown saves. You don't need to do a 2020 conversation. But if someone was still holding on, there, there's just nothing to hold on to right now, right? No, mm. no, nothing. I mean, uh, it, unless it's a league where just it, it would probably have to be an NL only league where saves are nowhere to be found. And you hope Diaz gets a chance or two down the stretch, but he's not going to get the majority of them. And there's no reason to believe he's going to be successful with what he gets. All so, right. Yeah, that's time to move on. Uh, Junior Guerra blew his eighth save of the season, which is a phenomenal number. Drew Pomeranz came in for his first save, went one inning, two strikeouts, a couple hits. Not sure there's really anything to read from that, but it was interesting that Pomeranz came in for the save for the Brewers. Yeah, it seems like Josh Hader's kind of uh, been stabilized again in that role. He had gotten, looks like, each of the Brewers' previous four saves. So, yeah, I'm not... You know, Pomerantz isn't anybody to pick up for saves. I think Hader was just getting... Uh, did he work earlier in that game? Uh, he did not. He I just didn't see him in the game. Yeah. I'm looking just at, got the day off. I'm looking at a really fun save, by the way. Daniel Mingdon with the A's in their 21-7 to route. I mean, it was a football <laughs> game. It was better than Monday Night Football. Daniel Mingdon had a three-inning save. He gave up two earned runs, one strikeout, but he ended up getting the save in that game. Come on, give that to Lazardo. That would have been fun. That actually would have been fun. That would have been a great time to bring him in. But I believe they said he what they weren't going to consider yeah. letting him pitch until Wednesday. So as you guys are listening yeah. to this, this is the first opportunity. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. You guys send them in. We will answer them, and you can have lots of different takes, and we'll see what we can do. Matt from Tennessee writes, Cano or Voigt rest of season. I've got Muncie coming off the IL this week as well. 5x5 five five Roto Weekly categories. I can only make three ads a week during the playoffs, Scott. I don't really know what to think of Luke Voigt right now. He's been playing just as regularly as ever since returning from... Uh, it was a sports hernia, right? I think that's what he had. He missed time with. You sounded like oh, a philosopher the line there, by the way. I just wanted to note, you sounded very philosopher. Like, I envisioned you like my uncle on the porch. You're like, well... Don't know what to think about Voight these days, but I do like some Mark <laughs> Cano, kind of. Is that what your uncle sounds like? He doesn't at all. My uncle is an absolute hippie, so no. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I don't think he's hit a home run since returning Voight. He actually was out of the lineup today, but it's been rare. Uh, yeah, I think I'd go Canna in the in the I, like I I think Voight over the long term I would still give him the advantage, but we're not looking at the long term right now. We are not. Uh, good morning, team. This is uh, I don't know who this is from. How could you? Uh, how would you prioritize these outfielders for this week in a roto dynasty? OBP and homers being the most needed categories. He's got Adam Eaton, our guy Mark Canna again, or waiver wire guys. This will be interesting, like Brett Gardner, Anthony Santander, or Kyle Tucker. Would you drop Lux to get any of them? Okay, so let's first prioritize those outfielders. Tucker, Santander, Gardner, Canna, Eaton. What does that look like to you? I think I still go Eaton and Canna at the top, which would suggest standing pat. Okay. Well, um, Between Gardner, Santander, and Tucker, which one is the third ring here? I think I think Santander just because I think he's the most usable in any scenario. Well, Tucker, you got to make sure he's in the lineup. Gardner, you want it to be a righty. So would, yeah, Santander. Would you drop Lux for Santander? Uh, not if I didn't have to fill an outfield spot right away. If it was just for a bench spot, I don't think I would. Okay. Also asked, are you comfortable starting Dallas Keuchel at the Phillies, Mike Soroka at the Nationals, over guys like Domingo, uh, Herman? following Sabathia at the Blue Jays, Cole Hamels at the Padres, and Aaron Savali. What do you think? I think Keuchel and Soroka are both of the classification of pitcher where I just don't worry about the matchups that much. Like, partic- like I think this environment this year has made that even truer just because so many pitchers are susceptible to getting blown out any given day because home runs are flying out everywhere. So... Uh, yeah, I think Keuchel and Soroka, despite the inferior matchups, the one I'm hesitating on is Domingo Herman, who's hasn't been as good lately, but for most of the year he was a pretty stable starter too, and he is the Blue Jays. Um, I think I'd still kick, stick with Keuchel and Soroka, but that's a close call. I'm, a, I'm in agreement here. I think this is an interesting one, and I want to like almost change it. Andrew asks, uh, what's y'all's guess on who will reach? Is he's on the porch again. What's y'all's he is guess? With the uncle. Yeah, it's like, Uncle, what's y'all's guess on who's going to reach those 50 homers this year, if anybody? I think the question should almost be, when is Pete Alonso going to hit 50 homers? And as I was asked on Twitter, will Mike Trout also hit homers on those days? I'm now getting trolled, <laughs> which is okay. It's totally okay. But when do you think Pete Alonso hits 50? Because he's clearly the one that will hit 50. Yeah, it's three away. He'll, he'll get it before the end of the week. Do you think? Oh, do you think he will beat the rookie record held by Aaron Judge of 52 rookie homers? I I forgot Aaron Judge broke that record. I was still thinking Maguire's forty nine. Uh, I mean, if 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 Alonzo does get to fifty before the end of the week, I would, yeah, I would. I think I'd bet on it. Yeah. All right. uh, uh, Trout will also get to fifty. Oh. And Bellinger. I don't think so. I'm gonna say Bellinger falls short. So There's only two. one home run between them. It's 45 to 44 right now. But you know what would be the most? That's vindic- my prediction. It would be so vindicating if. Trout and Alonzo hit 50 together on the same day, then I win, and everybody else does not. Uh, I'm just being stupid. You know, you, there's nothing to respond there to, Scott, unless you're going to No, respond. it's fine. <laughs> it's my dumb. You do win. You, I do, am, you, would, you would get the last laugh there. Uh, the last it. laugh. By the way, uh, you know who's caught up to Bellinger and Yelich with 44 home runs? Ooh. Is Eugenio Suarez. Yes. 
I was about to say one of the craziest like 40 homer seasons because I felt like he was falling off in or falling out of, out of favor for a lot of people based on like averages mm-hmm. and just how the re- the Reds just didn't meet any expectations statistically or just across the board for most people. The high expectations of Puig and Suarez. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, Solaire was on a little run as well. Um, two quick ones. Dan says, Dear Wilson and Blaylock. Any idea? Wilson and Blaylock. It's spelled like Mookie Blaylock, not Hank Blaylock. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm going to look at it. Wilson and Blaylock are, um, I don't know. I don't know who these people are. I just get a bunch <laughs> of trial information. Apparently court people. Eight team AL only auction keeper keep four. I have Mookie bets locked in for a very low salary for the next two years. Should I try to make a preemptive trade following Dombrowski's firing and the persistent rumors that bets may be moved in the offseason? I have not heard these. Um, oh, they're they're Mookies. Mookie Wilson, Mookie Blaylock. I even said Mookie Blaylock. All right, anyway. Are they're they, Oh, they are Mookie. Okay, good. I mean, actually, it all makes sense now. We're done. Uh, how much should real baseball dysfunction, he of course mentions the Mets, dictate fantasy maneuvers? Thanks so much. In line to win two of the three leagues this season, largely due to the great info and advice from this podcast. So, and do you think there's a preemptive move? You had a lot of takes when Dombrowski was fired on the Twitters, if people didn't see over on CBS Scott White on Twitter. But, I mean, is that something you would do? I I just don't, don't, why would Mookie Betts be the, um, I just don't see why the Red Sox would make him the um, the reaction to Dombrowski getting fired and all of his weird, stupid moves. I don't see that at all. He's the face of the organization. <laughs> well, he's a free agent after next year, and he's been he- hesitant to sign one of these, uh, you know, the sign one of these long-term deals that more and more players have been signing. So I guess now fans just assume it's going to happen. Well, also but, that's probably those friendly deals where teams are like, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll buy out a couple he's, more years and. He's pretty far into things to sign a team-friendly deal. Agreed. I mean, I, I, it totally makes sense that he'd play it out till the end at this point. And it, look, the Red Sox certainly are, have the means to offer him the biggest contract. So I, I think people, they're, they're making a lot of assumptions based on what was very strange firing. <laughs> I feel like things couldn't have gone better with Tom Browski, considering they had a historically dominant season last year. And okay, things went wrong this year. That's just a it's very sudden about face to what seemed like a best case scenario. So you're going to go with bets because of that in a keeper league? Well, no, I think they're just thinking ahead. Okay, so they must be firing Dombrowski because they want somebody in who can build up a farm system more. And so, you know, since the farm system is in the state it's in now, yeah. they're going to need some kind of spark to build it up. Mookie bets. Seems like he doesn't want to be here because he hasn't signed a team-friendly deal yet. So I guess they're just going to try. You know, it's 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 assuming too much, I think. And and you know, on top of it, you know, it's not like he's going to be some bum if he gets traded out of Boston. So no, a, I think you're I think you're overthinking this one. Yeah, I think the um the only thing he's thinking is it's AL. So if Mookie were to go to an NL okay. team, that would be yeah. probably his concern. Um, that is it for the emails that we are going to get. I do want to mention of note because we didn't get to it because the game is still going on. Trevor Bauer went six and one third, eight strikeouts, two earned runs, finally got a good game into him. But would you believe kind of outdueled by Justice Sheffield who went six, one earned run, three walks, four strikeouts, but power uh, Bauer. We had multiple questions about Bauer that couldn't get hit because people were asking, should I start him versus Seattle? I got tweets about it. Looks like it paid off moving forward. Comfortability with uh, Sheffield or Bauer. Does this like, ease your Bauer concerns at least? 
Only yeah, Seattle. And, and, and like I said, I was starting him anyway because he was still the best hope of getting something good. Yeah, this eases the concerns. Um, yeah. We, okay. we didn't get to Azer's terrible Twitter take. No, it's way. just the worst thing on the planet. I was just about to say, like, if there was ever a time to, for you guys to appreciate me, which I know not everybody's going to, it should be today. When Adam Azer goes on Twitter and says, um, maybe this is a hot take, but I don't like the Avengers. And <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's ridiculous. Uh, it, there's there's a lot more to it than that, because I don't think there would be anything wrong with that. <laughs> he was watching... He was watching the action sequence at the end of the Avengers, which he has no concept for because he hasn't seen the rest of the movie. He's not invested in the franchise at all. He just turns, I guess he turns on the TV and catches 10 minutes of actions at the end and decides. (laughs) Here's his tweet. He says, okay, it's time for everyone to get mad at me. I've never seen Avengers, the 2012 one. He says, I'm watching the end now on FX. It's really bad. It's cliche machine. Close the portal. Are you serious? May as well be Transformers movie. I've seen this action sequence 15 times. I think he's also getting ratioed. He has 110 comments in two hours and zero retweets. <laughs> he's just getting ratioed on it. I quote tweeted him because yeah. it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's, it's such a character driven story. <laughs> yeah, you can't watch 15 I mean, minutes of the movie and be like, ah, this is stupid. What are you talking what's about? important about the action sequence is what the characters are overcoming as it's going on and like the way they're coming together after fighting the rest of the movie like it's just it's just such an awful what it, and like it's it's an it's an uninformed take so why should we even care why is he spouting off like he's an authority when he says in the tweet itself I don't know what's going on. Wouldn't it be like, like seeing that Star Wars scene where uh, Luke gets his hand cut off and it's it's kind of like, in without context, it's kind of campy and be like, ah, Star Wars is horrible. What, this guy says I'm your father and the guy loses his hand and he screams like a baby? It's, um, I know. I mean, people don't have to love Avengers and superhero movies, but it's ridiculous. I, it just, like, if if you're if you're commenting with that much gusto on something you don't know anything about. You're just setting yourself up to look stupid. Like, why tweet that? Why? You just wanted to be ratio. You just wanted to be. It's so good. It's. Uh, I can appreciate that. All right, we got to get out of here. Uh, that is it for uh, Fantasy Baseball today. You can find me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh. I will not tweet that I hate the Avengers, but I might tweet other things you don't like. It's always possible. You can follow uh, the very smart and fun Scott White at CBS Scott White. We will be back with you again for a Friday edition. We'll get you all prepped for the following week, two streamers and all that stuff. So make sure you don't go anywhere right here. Till then, we'll be back. <laughs>